0: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McKusick. Uh We're here to continue the Camp Questions series. We're going to talk about the Interior defensive lineman today and joining me for that is Gabe Ferguson, our friend from Ravens sit room. Uh, Gabe, how you doing?
3: Thanks, Ken. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, good to be back on the show. Um, enjoy it every single time I'm on. So looking forward to some defensive tackle talk today.
2: All right, you're at Gabe Fergie on Twitter. We'll get to any other uh, stuff here at the end, but Raven Sit Room also is the uh, uh, the podcast you want to uh, want to take a look for. Uh, it's a very good one, uh, high quality content with him and Jordan Coe, who is at Raven Sit Room yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> but it's Raven Situation Room is the full name of the show. Uh, it's right here on filmstudybaltimore.com. dot com. So uh, uh, great to have you back on the show. Uh, let's just talk about the group in general to start with, because it's a large group that got a little smaller with the the final um, contract uh, negotiation with Derek Wolf.
3: Right, um, and if I were to make a guess, I think the Ravens saw that coming all off season. They didn't. I don't think they expected Wolf to to be an active player in 2022, and that's probably why they, you know, made some of the moves they did. You know, the acquisition of Michael Pierce. Um, you know, just kind of solidifying it through the draft as well, bringing in some younger talent, um, making sure they got Calais Campbell back, you know, Brent urban. So I feel like they wanted to kind of fill in that depth because with Brandon Williams moving on with Derek Wolf moving on, there was kind of a lack of, of snaps that were going going out the door and there need to be some fresh bodies, uh, Justin Ellis, another name mm-hmm. that was, that played pretty heavily in 2021. That's not going to be back this year. Um, so yeah, I think that it the room has changed a lot um over the past year, but I think in a lot of senses it, it looks like it might have a little bit more upside than it's had in the past.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the defensive line play. I think you know, you made the point about Derek Wolf and they kind of saw it coming. I think they did. I think that Brent Urban is an awfully similar player to Derek Wolf in terms of what they were looking to get. I frankly when when they were both on the team for, for that brief time he really looked at it and said only one of those guys is probably going to make the roster and you know urban has a terrific history with the with the ravens of being a, a, a high-end run stopper and they he has that length they really love uh at that position uh and the size to to get up high and, and knock down some passes so uh you know it's a, it seems to be a a good return to baltimore there
3: yeah i think um urban was was definitely assigning you know he's um like you said, the Ravens know what he is. He's he's a veteran now. He's been around the league, um, played for a couple other teams. Um, but I I think you know he still has a little bit of that spark in him. He he still has the ability to you know, push the pocket a little bit, and obviously the length he has is something that the Ravens love to have up front as well.
2: Yeah, I th- yeah. This is going to be a, I think a really good zone team. I mean, I think it's a team that that uh, can do a lot of things. Uh, obviously, they've got guys on the back end who love to be looking into the backfield, reading the quarterback, reading the set of routes. And and you'd love to be in cover three in, in, in those kind of situations. If you're Marcus Williams, if you're Hamilton, you'd probably be up front underneath. But even guys underneath look pretty well adaptable to the position, particularly on passing downs, if they get... Uh, the dime in there, if they potentially even get a quarter in there using Jefferson at that Mike spot uh, might be a way to do it. But I really love the size Hamilton brings as an underneath player in zone defense. But you also get that from some of the defensive linemen. Obviously, you get it from Campbell. Uh, He's done plenty of that, but you also get it from a player like Urban.
3: Right. And, you know, without getting too much into the details of what Mike... Uh, Mike McDonald's probably going to be doing in defense, I think what you said is is accurate. I think, you know, we have been a very heavy man-based coverage unit over the past, you know, few years under Wink Martindale. Um, I think we might see a little bit more zone coverages with with McDonald now, Um, just based off of kind of the personnel that's available, some of the different things that can be done on the back end. Um, and, And it makes sense to, you know, build your entire team that can benefit from those coverage schemes, and and that starts at the front and with the with the defensive tackles as well.
2: Yeah, so that I guess that brings me to one of the big questions, which is which is what is the team looking for in terms of you know that mix of interior pass rush, trying to be pick players maybe for some stunt games? Are they trying to be large and create problems that? That uh, zone defenders, people looking at the, looking at the play, can take advantage of because tip balls have a lot more value when players are looking into the backfield.
3: So, I like to think of it as starting on the back end, and a lot of things you can do with your safeties when you have, especially two high safeties, mm-hmm. you have the ability to. Um, well, one is you can you can drop a linebacker, and you know have a, have a very like kind of. You know, deep safety, and you and you, let, and you let the things underneath go. Um, other things you can do with a defensive tackle, then, is kind of just kind of stay in their lanes, keep their hands up. Um, but on the other side of it, if you want to be more aggressive, you can have them being these like one-gap penetrating type players. That's not something that the Ravens have done very much, um, really, over the course of of their of their t- team history they've been a very um run first run stop first type of defensive front for the majority of of what the defensive coordinators have liked to do um and i mean there's there's been some you know players up front who have who've been active in the in the pass rush but i think especially starting with dean pease and then with wink they really try to take away the run first they like these guys mm-hmm. who are big and can two gap um and, and control the rush lanes before they go after the passer what what mcdonald might want to do is be more aggressive and kind of have those interior defensive tackles you know just try and penetrate and disrupt more so than than have their kind of sit back in their um in their pat in their rush lane so that they can kind of control the pocket a little bit differently it's, it's a different type of approach we don't know exactly how the defense is going to look But it could allow for some of the players like Justin Matabike, for instance, and even a Travis Jones to be a little bit more disruptive on the interior than what they've been asked to do in the past couple of seasons.
2: Yeah, Matabike is, uh, thinking back to your comment about one great gap pentacrit traders, has been one of the few exceptions. And we saw particularly the second half of his rookie year, he really stood out as a guy who's winning a lot of one-on-one matchups. Uh, you know, penetrating from that three-gap spot and and uh, and really be a three-tech spot, I should say, and uh, getting in the backfield and causing a lot of problems. I I would love to see that return. I, I think he kind of took a step back as a pass rusher in 2021. I don't think there's a lot of people who disagree about that. But uh, do you think he'll be green-lit more? Uh, and and I guess the other question about Matabike and let's have him be the first guy we talk about in some depth is. Should, will he be more effective playing less snaps? Because I think his role is, is probably going to be more specialized
3: this year. He he did play a good number of snaps last year. I think it was over 600, um, which is a lot for a defense to tackle. Generally, it's a position that you rotate. Um, I think Calais Campbell led the team in, in snaps at that position, and then Matabike was second behind him. Um, and I, I think that he, there might be a little bit more of a rotation, but I would still expect him to be on the field a lot, and maybe more so on you know the the third down, like the money downs, so to speak, yeah. uh, the ones that really matter in terms of you know getting off the field. Um, so I think that's where he could have his greatest impact in, in those pass rushes. And he's really built more so to get after the passer than to defend the run. And if the Ravens have some more bigger bodies that they can play on the early downs now, and maybe let him rest up on those downs and put him in, and you know in like the the dime packages potentially as, as being that one or maybe one of two defensive tackles who are out there in those situations that it's really their only goal is to kind of get after the quarterback. And I do think that he has that skill set to be very effective in that role. Um, I I don't know if you saw recently on social media, but there was a post of him looking very trim and fit and lean, um, looking (laughs) like he's ready to have a big year. I think a lot of people pegged him as a breakout candidate for last year Um, And then, you know, as you said, he he might have taken a little bit of a step back. Um, I do think there were some, you know, really exceptional plays that he did put on film last year at times. It just wasn't as consistent as you'd like to see from someone who you have that kind of expectation from. But that could definitely be someone who takes that leap that we're expecting last year and has more of that, um, you know, big splash play type of potential in this upcoming season.
2: Yeah, I I I think that'd be a reasonable hope, and I like the idea of him playing on more obvious passing situations. Uh, it doesn't even have to be all third down. I mean, he can he can be a second and nine, second and eight yeah. guy, but you know you, you're you want him probably expending his effort in positions where he can do what he does best, which is penetrating uh and, and getting the backfield. If you're really concerned about the run, that's not always the thing you want to do. You you often wanna control the line of scrimmage as you mentioned earlier and try try to do some two gap things. I think um he'll his energy will be well used um if he uh could be put on the on the field on a place where he can go all out after the passer. Uh, I like that idea. I think he'll play, he played 44.1% of the snaps last year. As I have it scored, um, uh, that might differ slightly because I don't count penalties in mind. but it's still 44% of of non-penalty snaps. And in this case, it might might differ slightly, but not a lot. My point is that I think he might play 37% of the snaps, 39% of the snaps this year. He could still play 44%, but what that probably means is something good for the Ravens. It probably means that the Ravens are ahead in a lot of games. And he's playing as much as he can in the second half, and still maintaining his rush at a high level.
3: Yeah, and that's one of the things that impacts those counting stats as well—the the mm-hmm. type of situation, the game, the game flow, for sure. And last year, um, the Ravens weren't always the team that was in the lead in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. They were trying to catch up in a lot of ga- lot more yeah. games. Um, so if if those kind of game flows are reversed and the, and the Ravens are having leads that definitely allows for more opportunity um, for not just for Matabike but for edge rushers, for pass rush in general, um, you know, turnovers to happen. Those types of situations are greater in number when you have, you know, a lead that you're playing with and you're trying to get the opposing team to do something stupid basically
2: yeah absolutely and and i have been saying that all basically the offseason is, is since they drafted the the second safety anyways since they drafted Hamilton is the notion that you know the ravens now have to find a way to Put other teams in situations where they have to pass, and you, two touchdown lead in the second half. Well, the Ravens, I, I expect them to be playing basically a hundred percent dime and quarter packages. Uh, you know, when they have a, a they're good, always at the end of the half. You play exclusively dime. Anybody's that are charted, you know, defenses will, will will be able to tell you that. You know, if you're in the two minute drill, the other team is not going to be running the ball. So, it, it, you also have third downs that occur otherwise naturally. And then I think with the Ravens, even they're going to be thinking about using the dime on second and eight, second and nine, second and. Ten plays, so you may see a different you know, package of players replacing a first down crew, which is an interesting thing that we've seen a little of in Baltimore. If you go back, the Ravens at one point had three inside linebackers; they were rotating by down, that included Jamil McLean, Danelle Ellerby, um, and then an, a, a, a dime back they would bring in. Um, but but they they have not traditionally done that sort of rotation. But I think this could be a year for it.
3: Yeah, I mean, anytime you have three safeties, you're going to see the field a lot. It kind of changes the whole calculus for the different packages they're going to have going from what was traditionally, you know, uh, a a four- defensive back you know base package to what might become more of a five defensive back base package and especially if you're in positions in, in games where you have the lead um, teams are going passing more it makes sense to be in you know even dime a lot more than what they have than maybe going back to like what the, was the 2019 season um, yeah. where they were in their dime package like 40 percent of the time we could see that yeah. happening for sure
2: yeah, that would that would be'd uh, be wonderful it would mean great things for the Baltimore Ravens if they can get back to 42 percent dime. Uh, of 2019, that would that would really mean something special. It would not be they w- it would not be a concession of some sort the Ravens have made. It'd be it's about as much as they could do. The other thing I'd love to see is if if um, I know Williams is pretty much going to play every snap, but if the three safeties together have approximately, well, obviously some of this would be dependent on health. Like you can't get there without health. But if they together have about 2.5 or 2.6 seasons yeah. worth of snaps between the three of them then I know that defense and, 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 the, and the planning around that safety group is really working.
3: Yeah. And that'll be really exciting to see because, I mean, I haven't charted other NFL teams around the league, but I can't imagine most teams have come anywhere close to that um, mm-hmm. over the course of the past few years. It's been, you know, primarily it's a, a three cornerback league, not a three safety mm-hmm. league. Occasionally you'll get those kind of j- jumbo nickel packages or, or other, however you want to call it. Um, but it's definitely not a base defense for most teams. Um, but this could be kind of a sea change that we're seeing here. Um, and, and the Ravens have often been at the forefront of making these kinds of, of changes. And when it comes to personnel, um, you know, we've seen it on the offensive side and we might be seeing it on the defensive side now as well.
2: I, I think there are times when this statement gets overused by defensive coordinators and, and people are coaching defense who don't really want to challenge the thought of what goes on, but you, you, you build your defense for your players and you don't build your players and have them fit your packages that you start with. I think there are organizational questions that come it that, 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 that make it not quite that simple. But if there's ever a team that wanted to build their defense around three talented safeties, boy, this is, this is it. And it's not just the three they have. It's the depth they have behind those guys and the fact that you can continue to play this even if somebody were to go down.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's one of the things that it, it causes a ripple effect across the entire defense because when when you have that ability on the back end to be versatile, um, to be multiple on the back end, it also allows you to have be multiple in the front end um, and, and to really, um, you know, um, kind of be as as flexible as you can with the players you use, um, and and obviously it is important still to have players up front who can be you know stout against the run that can get after the passer, um, but if the Ravens can afford to do more of a rotation um, and, and have defined packages for what those players are doing. It, it, it could definitely help improve, I think, some of the players' roles and give them more consistency and more production in that factor as well.
2: All right. Well, let's get back to the defensive line a little <laughs> bit, maybe maybe talk about the, uh, the nose tackle situation. Uh, Brandon Pierce uh, brought back in on a contract, and uh, a guy that did have a problem reporting heavy, um, a couple of years ago when he was well, actually it's been more longer than that hasn't it uh, when he was last with the Ravens uh, now a guy who for whatever reason missed the OTAs and uh, Harbaugh listed it as a personal reason wasn't going to talk about it that's not always a good thing
3: yeah it's I mean I, I know there was some concern um, just when you see one of the players you bring in in free agency one of your big signings it's not there for the mandatory offseason it's not Um, that's something that raises some level of alarm. Um, Given the history of the player, that that might have been elevated a little bit more. I'm going to, you know, hope that it's just something that is is truly, you know, personal reason, maybe family matter, for some reason could not be there. Um, You know, Harbaugh is always someone who's going to protect his players. Um, That's one, kind of one of his mantras as a coach um, and he's not going to throw anyone under the bus unless he feels like they need to be um, given some type of um, I don't even want to say warning but like you know just some motivation maybe mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think that's the, the sense I'm getting from this situation um, You know, the, I think the expectation is that he'll be there for a training camp and then um, as long as he can pass the, the fitness test I think everything will be fine and dandy so we just have to hope for that to work out
2: yeah, so somebody almost always fails. It's almost like the the way they're trying to get one seal to quit on the first day, or the you know the knock test, or other things you've seen from the movie The Recruit. But there's always the Ravens kind of want someone to fail the physical test. Is is uh, the, is my uh, way of thinking about it. <laughs> and one year it was Lardarius Webb. Uh, who didn't make it. another year? They've had they've had receivers fail. Mike Wallace might have failed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been a, a handful of different players who've who, who've done it, and they they really use it to try. Harbaugh, you really uses it to try and send a message. But uh, uh, it could be a defensive lineman. Almost when when it when it is a nose tackle, it almost says, "Are are your standards really right? Are you just picking on this guy?" You know, he, obviously he's not going to do the same thing. But the Ravens have graded standards already. Yep. For how quickly you know they need to they need to do their uh, their suicides that are that are the basis of this.
3: Yeah, but so get, okay, well, oh, the, I was gonna say back to getting to Pierce. I actually really like the signing because um, with you know we we've had you know nose tackles on the roster in the past who have been more of just kind of big bodies. Um, you know, I think Brandon Williams has been that throughout the his length of his career um with the Ravens and he's been a fantastic run stuffer I think his play probably declined a little bit last year because of injuries um there was a I don't know if they tried to bring him back or not but it seemed like um they were okay with you know letting him go in free agency I think he's still unsigned so there may not be much of a, a market for him right now um but I think I think Pierce even when he was in Baltimore before and when he was in in Minnesota um he's more of a interior disruptor than, than I think Williams was. He has a little mm-hmm. bit more quickness, a little bit more ability to get after the passer um, in the snaps that he's had. He's never been someone who's out there a huge amount. He's always been kind of on a limited snap count, but he's been more impactful when he is there. Um, and I think that's something that the Ravens are looking for. Um, the, the pass rush from the interior, we've talked a little bit about already, um, whether by scheme or by you know players that they have out there has not been, been great. Um, so I think that might be a little bit of an upgrade that we're getting with Pierce. And he's also been a very good run defender throughout the course of his career. Yeah. So I, I don't think they're losing anything on that side of it either. And for what they brought him in for, um, I think it's, it's definitely a, a useful signing for this team.
2: Yeah. I mean, the team definitely needed a, a run stopper that they could defend on and depend on. And, and I think, um, you know, he, he, he certainly meets that mold. It's interesting you mentioned this, the snap count things because it's a good thing if Michael Pierce is not on the field that much. If Michael Pierce's snap count went down from, say, 32% to 25% and he's healthy, it's not because of that, it can just mean you have a lead. And, I, you know, I, I chart these plays every every week, and, you know, we, we, you see all of a sudden Michael Pierce is out of the game starting in the middle of the third quarter. usually means the Ravens are up by 15 yeah. You know, that's that's what that usually means. It's not a bad thing at all. It's not Michael Pierce suddenly. Oh, he gave up. He got tired. It's nothing like that. It's it's, you know, in terms of packages, they 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 wanted to go to pass defense. And uh, it's a great thing when you don't have to have him out there anymore. I, I've never felt like he was anybody they needed to have on the field and third down uh, there. There have been a couple of plays, a couple of of games where he's a guy they've kept on the field on third down to, to to be the one guy in the middle that was a little heavier along with you know multiple uh, guys that are working in for, that are outside linebackers really but uh, but it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been often that he's really been used on obvious passing downs at all so I, I think that'll be the case again this year I think I'm more excited even about how he could be paired with Travis Jones because I think that is a dynamic one three duo that could be very effective at stopping the run very much like Williams and Pierce were when Pierce first came into the league.
3: Yeah. Um, and real quick, before we get to Travis Jones, I just wanted to, you know, highlight something you said and him about him not being on the field for, you know, obvious passing downs. And, and that may as well, that may be very accurate. I, mm-hmm. I doubt he's going to be out there very much on, on like the third and longs or even the third and mediums, uh, maybe for some of the situations where the, the run is more likely in the third and shorts, but um with the way that the league has kind of changed over the years, there's a lot more passing on first down and second down. Mm -hmm. So it is useful to have a player who's out there who can not only, you know, stop the run at a high rate, but also be able to, you know, turn that into a pass rush, a quality pass rush rep, instead of just kind of standing there, not doing much and having someone who has a little bit more of a, upside in that i think it's going to be really useful this team and that's true for michael pierce i think it's also true for travis jones i think they can both be impactful in that type of situation um It'll be interesting to see how much they're on the field together. I think there is some versatility in, in what positions they can play. I think, you know, Jones can play nose. He played a lot of nose in college, but he can also play the three-tech. Um, mm-hmm. So he can be out there on the early downs of the three-tech, um, maybe take some of those reps from Matabike and have Matabike come in later. I think you can get a nice natural rotation between those players.
2: Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I, you know, Brent Urban is another very stout run defender who's who's – fine at the three. And, you know, he'd he'd be fine at the five. Also, the problem is that the NFL doesn't have that many five tech plays anymore. So you don't play base defense that often. You don't have a spot in theory for Urban. But Urban, you know, when he was last year, was a 50 percent snap guy. And you really you really wanted to have him be able to play either that three or five spot on on running downs. And and he was very good at it. it. Years have passed since. Urban has last played here, and yet I think that's really still what the Ravens were looking for in terms of signing him. Go back to Travis Jones for a second because he's really the alternate nose tackle. He does have to pick up for Pierce if Pierce is unable to play or on the on the plays, Pierce needs to rotate out uh, just because he they don't want him playing every single series, even for two downs. Um, you know, Jones is going to have to take maybe every third series as the one tech anyway. So that may only leave maybe a third a third of the time, each of them is on alone. And then a third of the time, they're both on together.
3: Yeah, I think, that, I think that sounds right. And if we're looking at like what snap percentages, you know, Pierce might be out there for 25%. I would expect Jones to be out there more than that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, he's a young body, he's, he's athletic, he has, you know, a little bit more, um, I think, ability to kind of be you know a multiple down impactful player um and just be just from you know what he looks like on tape he's he played a lot of, of snaps when he right. was in college at UConn um so he has that ability to you know be out there and still play at, at a decently high level um even even through that number of snap load and that's not something we see with all players but it's something that he might be able to add
2: and hopefully it's something that the Ravens way of doing something is all doing handling the defensive line has always been highly rotational. I expect that to continue. I expect Travis Jones to really benefit from a lighter workload at the NFL level. I mean, at in his time at UConn, he was so focused on by opposing offenses. I mean, the, the, everybody was just, how do you, how do you stop Travis Jones week after week? Well, it's not as hard if that's the only guy you're focusing on. And it, it was a fairly wretched UConn squad overall and you know to have him here in Baltimore I just think he could he could be a lot better than people are expecting out of him I think people are expecting a fair amount out of him but you know I still hear people's like Peter King say his tapes not great you know in college and I say well okay I'm not I'm not saying that's not not true and I'm particularly not saying it's not true against the highest quality teams because he had a lot of sacks against some weaker teams but I will say I think he will benefit tremendously from Properly moderated usage by you know a defensive coordinator or an organization that really gets it.
3: Yeah, and and you know one of the things that was was talked a lot about leading up to the the draft was Jordan Davis. You know coming to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he was famously picked right before the the Ravens were on on um, on the Perfect. you know all, what do you, how do you call it <laughs> on the clock? That's the word I was looking for. Um, and you know. they're both very athletic players and and jordan davis was a guy who played on a defense that was stacked with nfl talent Um, he had everybody on that defense is going to play in the nfl at some point and he didn't have that many sacks when he was playing there and he was someone who was heralded as a you know top 10 top 15 pick um yes he's like a athletic freak and he did some very very unique things on the field and that's why he went that high but jones had the exact opposite situation he was the athletic guy nobody else around him was anywhere near that so put him on a team that's you know filled with nfl talent and and the ravens have a lot of very high quality defensive players um you know the defense had a bad year last year but i still think that this is one of the the more talented defenses um in the nfl especially up front at the defensive line they have depth and they have talent there and you can't any more double team him on every play he's going to get some one-on-ones and we'll see if he can you know use that athleticism use that you know pass rushing ability that he displayed at college and win against some of the you know frankly lesser offensive linemen that sometimes you you go against it's the nfl has some poor quality offensive linemen in, in some of these teams so there will be opportunities for him to to win those matchups
2: yeah the the, the ravens have a group of Potential three techs who will be chomping at the bit for their individual opportunities created by the fact that the rest of the line is good. That you know, players like Michael Pierce, uh, may be drawing a double team, particularly if the other team is trying to run the ball. And you know, you can still penetrate against the run and make plays in the backfield. That that is legal within the game of football. Great. So hopefully, that's something we'll see from Travis Jones as well. Let's move on here. We've spent a lot of time on on Jones and Pierce, who are uh, you know I, I think a, a big key. But at the three tech. Uh, the Ravens have Justin Matabike. We've talked a little bit about him in terms of of what he might bring the team. I, I really do believe he's going to be more of a pass rushing specialist this year. And are you thinking more balanced usage, or you think he'll be he'll be more of a more more money downs?
3: You know, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think because part of it also is one of those situations where he's he's coming into his own in his third year, and he may be expecting that starter role. Um, So there may be times where he's out there, you know, on the first drive, second drive on the, on, on those first and second downs. Um, But then later on in the game, he's, he's kind of, Changing it to be more of like a, a back end pass rusher. Um, I think that's the situation that I would like to see for him because I think that's definitely where he's at his best. And he doesn't have to be there, even though he can be impactful in run defense. You know, we, we, I've seen some extremely impressive plays from him, um, not just um, as a penetrator, but he also can sometimes even take on double teams and be very effective in them. Um, he's very good at sniffing out screens, um, and he can They're pursue pursued. very well against those types of plays. And that's something that's. Really useful because I think at times the Ravens have been vulnerable to screens. Their their linebackers tend to bite heavily on, on play fakes and things of that nature. So having defensive linemen who are athletic, and um, and aware is is really useful for them as well.
2: You always want defensive linemen at least who will hustle, and and that's what I love to see about Matabike's pursuit. He I, he has really good quickness for for a defensive lineman. A lot of really good over quickness for stunts, which you love to see on the inside from anybody you can have in addition to the you know the penetrating, uh, you know, good first step that, that he can bring to the table. But, you know, a, a defensive lineman coming from behind carries significant fumble risk for a ball carrier. So, you know, you chase somebody down to the sideline, that's great, but chase someone down actually six, eight years yards downfield who's juked a couple of guys and he thinks he's maybe got an opening and then Matabique comes up and he's he's laying the club on him. it's it's just it's a really good chance for for a fumble from behind. So you like to see that hustle out of your out of your defensive lineman.
3: Yeah, definitely want someone who's 295 pounds who's going to hit you as well. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it adds a little bit more thump than somebody who's a, a secondary player or even a linebacker.
2: All right. Well, I, Matt Abike, I think we've talked enough about Broderick Washington – to me, one of the guys who's kind of on the bubble this year, entering his third year, and he did play a fair amount last year. And I have to look at exact percentage of snaps. Let me do that for a second here. So I have Washington for about twenty-seven percent of the snaps last year. So didn't you know? Certainly was on the field enough. Uh, the Ravens certainly had some had some opportunity for, for him to be there. But uh, a guy who I think entering year three, the clock's kind of running out. You're obviously running out of option value on on Washington. You need to find out who you have. And either this year potentially make him a divisible benefit kind of deal, or just decide you're probably going to end up letting him walk after year four, uh, because they're, they're probably somebody's going to want him more than you after that. But there's a good chance, you know, the deal they made with Chuck Clark, obviously the deal they made with Ricard and with others, uh, to, to get people um, during or after their third year has uh, have been uh, very very good for the organization.
3: Yeah, I think I need to see a little bit more out of Project Washington before I gave him a, a, really any kind of contract extension, ex- unless it's kind of at a, you know, maybe like a one to two million per year kind of um, value. He's he's someone who is a depth player. You know, he's a rotational defensive mm-hmm. lineman. Um, he can play three technique for you. He can play maybe a little bit of five technique if you need him to in a pinch. Although he's probably a little undersized for that. Um, he's. Doesn't have the size to play one, um, so he is a little bit um, kind of pigeonholed in, the, yep. in what he can do in the in the Ravens defense. And and while he's going to come out and and I think give you you know usable reps, he's not someone who's going to be make an impact very much. Um, you know there might be one or two plays a game that you see him and you're like oh was that Broderick Washington? <laughs> but it's it's not something that I'll expect out of him.
2: Yeah, I I mean I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And by the way, when I'm saying they need to find out what they got, that's exactly what I mean. If if you find out you don't have what you hope you want, you certainly don't make an offer to this guy. And and I, the kind of contract I'd be talking about would be, be in line with what you're talking about. If you if he really looked pretty good for ten games this year, and you think about it, and you say, well, okay, how about three years for seven point five million kind of thing. Uh, you know, you're getting good play out of it. Maybe somebody else is hurt. But, it, I mean, obviously, you have to look, be able to look forward for the duration of that contract and say, A, is he going to really be good enough to be one of our top six defensive linemen at the very minimum? You probably might want to be one of your top five and be pretty sure of that. So maybe somebody else has to underperform, even for, for Broderick to be kind of worth that. But I will say this. The Ravens lack youth on the defensive line, and they've, they've got to figure out how to become younger and the combination, Matt Abike seems to be a guy that will stick around. Travis Jones, we certainly hope, is a guy who will stick around. But they just got through with Derek Wolfe, and that was painful for the team over a two-year period. they just gotten rid of Brandon Williams. Um, and they're back with Calais Campbell and Brent Urban, a couple of older guys, and Michael Pierce, who they're going to have to figure out how to replace as well. So youth is needed, and Washington is one of those pivot guys who could be one of the players who sticks around.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, there's absolutely a chance for him to take a step forward. And this year, um, going into his third year as well, same as Matabike. Um, he, you know, does have some skills. We've seen him, you know, flash them at times, um, maybe given a more defined role, um, more opportunity, he can run with it. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case for him, but you'd love to see it, obviously. Um, it's it's I, I agree with you. He's. I don't know if he's on the bubble. In my mind, he's probably that fifth or sixth defensive lineman. Depends on how you view Urban. Um, I, I, you know, if you want Washington around for two more years, he has that, or I guess one more year after this coming year. Um, there's that kind of versatility that he he gives you that extra year on the ro- on the roster for you know pretty cheap money. Um, but if Urban looks great and he's performing well, I could I could see them going with with five. And, and leaving Washington off the roster as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think both of those things are in the realm of possibility. I think the Ravens could decide to t- carry six defensive tackles if they, if they want to. That's definitely possible as well. And and I think if that happens, he would probably be one of those six.
2: I was talking about this a little bit with Brian McFarland, but one of my points has always been that it's not a 53-man roster anymore. It's more right. like a 56 or a 57 with the way the Ravens play the IR list. And, you know, eight returns from IR is very generous. So, I think the Ravens, if they were to make a big cut and uh they have a couple guys who are really in this in this category um Juwan james would save them i think about three million and and they'd save two point five four million on powers very famously if either of those guys are cut, you can pay three guys to sit on the on i r who you shift after the fifty three is formed to i r to make their i r not season ending season ending i r anybody who gets who doesn't make your original fifty-three has to be either cut or season ended IR. But if you're you're uh, you can if you can slip them onto the roster, have a handshake deal with a with and I know you all know this all this all this already, Gabe. But have a handshake deal with uh, one of your veteran players because the the guys in the first four years have to go through waivers. Then you bring those veteran guys back after you move them to IR. And I think there is a possibility for some of that on this team. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it even has to be Broderick Washington himself. It could be they could keep six defensive linemen because they have an outside linebacker say uh, on, on uh, IR to start the season.
3: Yeah, that, that would make sense. And, you know, it, it- allows you to do some different things with your personnel and you know, it's possible that he's someone even if he does make the roster who would be a game day inactive um that's mm-hmm. that sixth defensive lineman is, is definitely in danger there i think we've seen the ravens keep only four guys active on yes. some on some rosters on some game days so um there's there's no guarantee he even if he makes the team that he's going to be someone who's out there every week um but once again you know this training camp's big for him um you know we've we've talked about the, that you know, the roster ticking and, and what, what, what that means. Um, this is the year for him to have that breakout if it's going to happen, because by the time year four rolls around, it's it's too late for a lot of these players.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I could completely agree. And uh, you know, he's one of the guys who'll be seeing probably a lot of, a lot of action both right before the half and a little bit into quarter three of the preseason. So he should get his snaps. It's four guys we didn't mention uh, kind of on the outside looking in, but the really interesting one. We'll talk about the three not so interesting ones: Rashad Nichols, Isaiah Mack, who honestly looked great at certain yeah. times, including that Cincinnati game last year. Uh, but part of Mack's problem is he's he doesn't have what you would expect in terms of time remaining uh, on his rookie deal. He's a year three guy as well. Uh, nose tackle is a little undersized at at two ninety nine. So uh, a question as to whether he's on the inside, I think he's probably on the outside looking in and then Aaron Crawford, a guy yeah. who's, who's been activated before, um, you know, looks like he could be a player, but those, those guys are still kind of all on the outside. Certainly some decent practice squad candidates among those three.
3: Yeah. Um, Aaron Crawford was the guy that I liked two years ago. I think, you know, he came and played in that COVID game, um, yeah. played pretty well against, against the Steelers. Um, I liked him in the preseason as well that year. Um, so he, you know, he, he's a little bit bigger. Um, I think I actually compared him to Michael Pierce. You know, he's stout. I think he's pretty short, but he's probably pushing 320 and just around six foot. So he's got that kind of like, you know, fire cracker. You know, he's short, compact, um, but he but he plays, you know, he uses that short leverage, you know, that he can get into tackles and doesn't give up ground. So um, I, I think that he's someone who can, potentially make the roster or i think definitely make the practice squad um mm-hmm. and then be somebody who's a potential call-up if needed um if, if there's some attrition to the position due to health or, or what it may be um you know and you mentioned mac he he played pretty well in, in a short amount of time last year as well um so either one of those players and obviously i forget the rookie's name he's an undrafted free agent i believe uh,
2: Rayshad nichols
3: yes nichols um I, I don't know anything about him. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's a chance he, he's the undrafted guy who comes in and, and really shows something in training camp. That's always an opportunity. Um and, and if he looks like he's someone who is gonna be an impactful player, then he might be the that last guy who who makes the roster for the defensive tackles because I don't think they have to keep Washington, they don't have to keep Urban, I don't think. Um, so if if he's the best of them then there's a good chance that he's the guy.
2: That's certainly been the way of things in the past, uh, both with Ricard, and if you go back to Michael Pierce, uh, he was a guy who was undrafted, and uh, you know they they find room for a player who can who can do good things. But that's what, so it's a great thing about the Ravens' defensive lineman you don't you don't know which one is the next fullback, so, <laughs> so it really could be uh, it could be anybody. You got to take it take it very seriously. The other guy I think is is a is a key player potentially in a sneaky way is Khalil McKenzie. Now, he's a guy who played only on the defense last year, as far as I know. I don't think he had any offensive line snaps, but he's listed as an offensive lineman. Somehow that is continuing. The Ravens are are continuing to get that. But the Ravens do some wonderful, tricky things with their roster, but he's one of them. And Khalil McKenzie, a guy who uh, would have the most value to the Ravens when they do exactly what you mentioned earlier, is they go with four defensive linemen for a game. And they have Khalil McKenzie as the eighth offensive lineman for those games because hey, you don't want to be without, you don't want to be short on the defensive line.
3: Yeah, I think he's listed on the depth chart as guard slash defensive tackle, which is mm-hmm. a pretty unique uh, roster position. I don't know if I've seen that one before, um, but that's definitely gives you that versatility on game day. Basically, you know two players for the price of one um, if you if you have injuries it can help you out it can also help you out if you want to go very heavy at a specific position um, whether it's cornerback or, or safety um, it's likely that the Ravens will be carrying a lot of safeties on game days this year so that could you know come out of the two it's a tackle position so mm-hmm. um, that, that's interesting um, like any other player we've talked about he's going to have to you know Prove his value on the field and not just be someone who's available because of you know the positional versatility. But if he can you know make it work at guard and if he can make it work at tackle or at defensive tackle and be you know formidable in both positions, then that that's a huge bonus. That's not something you can get very often. So um, I, I think like you you mentioned, he only played defense last year. Um, I, yep. I, I think they started cross training him at both positions. Um, maybe there's some snaps that we'll see in the preseason at both sides this year it'll be interesting to see how that how that shakes out
2: i think he was not here for the preseason last year i think at least that's my recollection because i know he's the kind of guy you really want to see what color jersey he's wearing in camp to see if he's playing <laughs> offense or defense but uh 36 total snaps as i've scored that's not non-penalty non-spike non kneel you know the rules uh last year uh so they used him a little bit, and they used him a little bit in some kind of some emergency and some rotational situations. But he's if you want to go with four defensive linemen for a game, and you want to use your eighth offensive line activation to have a reserve defensive lineman, he has a lot of value in that. It's not a matter of he has to do either. The ideal is he doesn't play either yep. in the game, and and you know you only use him if, if you know it's like. Wanting your insurance policy to pay off. I don't want my life insurance policy to pay off. I, you know, I want to, I want it to have to pay on it for as long as possible.
3: Right, and that's you know, but unfortunately, those those things t- do happen, in, in NFL and injuries happen. Um, and especially if you're only carrying four true defensive tackles, um, if if one of them goes down, it's it's really quick that your 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 front gets thin, um, and if teams are smart. Then they'll know how to take advantage of that. If you don't have someone that you can put in there, so you know, you know, there's always Patrick Ricard in kind of a, a very like difficult situation. You could plug him in, um, mm-hmm. but he's, you'd probably rather go with someone like like McKenzie than than risk you know injuring a player who's very important to your offense, like like Ricard right.
2: is. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. So they do have a. They, they, I, I keep forgetting Ricard. It's been a while since he's played a defensive snap, but it's still possible that they could they could run him out there. The thing about Ricard is that he, he's nowhere near what the Ravens list him at weight-wise anymore. Right. So you know he'd be trying to play at about 265, 270 pounds uh, on the defensive line, and that's just that's just too small in today's NFL. So.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think I remember seeing a, a tweet uh, from some like NFL accounts this this off about Patrick Ricard being the only 300-pound player to, like, have multiple touchdowns. There's, there's something along those lines. And I was like, there's mm-hmm. no way that he's actually a 300-pound yeah. player anymore. Maybe 280. Maybe 280.
2: I mean, he's, he is really built, but yeah. you see him watch, you walk next to Bradley Bozeman, who is the same exact height, I think. They both are 6'3", I believe. And, I mean, Bozeman's got to outweigh him by 50 pounds, yeah. maybe more. I mean, the body type is just completely different. And, I, admittedly, muscle weighs more than fat and whatnot, but I mean... That was the that was the epiphany moment for me that said, you know, no way is he, yeah. is he that big. i tell you what, let's move over since we've been a while on these guys and talk to talk the, the two most versatile guys probably on the line in terms of being able to play the three, the five technique. In Campbell's case, anywhere you want him, honestly. Probably can play nose tackle without a question on passing downs if that's where you want to play him. And he can play all the way out to on the edge if you need him there.
3: Yeah, I mean, Kaleas Campbell um, being brought back, I think, was, was a coup for the Ravens. Um, i He's been one of the more consistent players on the, over the past two two years on this defense. Um, just what he brings from both the pass rush ability and a run defense ability is, is pretty rare, especially for someone of his age. Um, and, and maybe he is falling off a little bit from that pass rush, but um, he's just a difference maker along the front. And when he's out, it's a different defensive line. And we've seen that for the Ravens. Um, I do think that you are going to want to keep him on the pitch count a little bit more this year. Yeah. Um, he's been uh, playing a lot of snaps over his career and for the Ravens, he's played a lot over the past two years as well. So if you can limit him to, you know, closer to like 50% of the snaps or even less, I think that's probably an ideal scenario, but um, love the fact that they were able to bring him back. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, a linchpin for this defense.
2: Played fifty-seven and a half percent of the snaps as I have it scored from, from last year so. It definitely was playing a lot, and I agree completely on the pitch count. In fact, coming to the Ravens, I thought that was one of the things that was really going to increase his effectiveness because in his five years before he came to the Ravens, and this is between ages, I think, but it's either twenty-nine and thirty-three or thirty and thirty-four. But between in that age range, he played between seventy-seven and eighty percent of his team's defensive snaps every single year, which is just uh, it's it, mind-boggling in, in terms of of how much play that is, and particularly at that age. And then he he came here and and he's continued to play a high percentage of snaps for the Ravens system, but a much lower percentage of snaps for, for Campbell relative to the rest of his career.
3: Yeah, and you know, I think that might have partially been due to in Jacksonville, he played a lot more on the edge, um, mm-hmm. more of a true defensive, and in a in a four three front, um, and that's not quite as taxing and demanding of a position, I think, as, as being inside. So maybe you can get away with a little bit more, um, you know, snaps and not have to have quite the wear and tear on your body. Um, but I, I still think that you know, it's it's incredible what he's done for the court over the course of the season, but. And over the course of his career, I should say. But, you know, he is someone who is going to be better if he's out there for, you know, 30 snaps a game as opposed to 40, 45 snaps a game. And, and especially if you can use him more in those pass rush snaps and, and really get that out of him, use that length and, and use that ability that he still has just to kind of swim and, and manhandle some of the, some of the, you know offensive linemen that are out there he's someone i think is like i said he's going to be a linchpin of this defense he's going to be someone who's going to not only be a leader out there but also be someone who's going to be making plays for you on a a very high regular basis and you know the ravens defense desperately needs playmakers and, and he's one of the few that is is still going to be you know one of the critical guys i think
2: Yeah. Play after play. You notice that last year, he's still by far the Ravens best defensive player last year. And obviously it was kind of a down year for the defense as a whole, but you know, I do this thing called star quality uh, every week in my defensive articles where we just pick the notes from the players. If, if I was, if I was being boring, I just have him in there every week because he has eight, nine, 10 plays, a lot of weeks that we've taken a note about, Uh, you know, it can be as high as 15, 16, some weeks, Uh, you know, it's just—it's ridiculous how many plays he has an impact on, even when he's not making the tackle, getting a pressure, getting penetration in the backfield that blows up a run play. Somebody else gets it. You know, it's like Terrell Suggs, kind of in that way, as being a—you know—impacting an awful lot of plays on defense, just uh, just being there. So I, you know, I hope he plays out this two-year deal. Something tells me it might be really a one-year deal that they'll have to re-up for another one year with a two with a you know two-year extension kind of thing. Uh, but, but anyway, we'll see, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, love that they brought him back. I think he'll help the, the the Ravens, however they use him. And I think the the most difficult question for to answer is going to be, when do you kick Campbell off the field? You'd love to have him on every single play probably, but you have to decide where you're not going to use him. And that's, that's, that could be a difficult thing.
3: Yeah. And and part of that will unfortunately be dependent on other players and and whether they're you know stepping up to fill that role that campbell would have when he's out there and whether that's just Matabike who we've talked about already or maybe travis jones you know having a real you know breakout rookie season um i think either one of those players could could be someone that that can lessen the load a little bit for for campbell especially um just to take away some of those earlier snaps potentially so he doesn't have to just be the starter um on all, all the downs from the early downs um and also then, you know, some of the pass rush snaps. He doesn't have to be that only guy out there. Um, use some of the other players that the Ravens have. And and that could also be, you know, someone like Brent Urban. If, he, if he's healthy, if he's on the roster, he has the potential to be yeah. a little bit of a, an impactful player as well. Um, he still has, you know, that same kind of like body type, that length, um, that Campbell has. He's not quite as long and, and powerful, but he definitely has the ability to penetrate, to disrupt uh, the passing lanes, and, and that's something that the Ravens are going to desper- desperately need um, if Campbell's not out there.
2: Yeah, and I think I think that's... Just because of just the, the size and shape type that Urban is, I think he matches best as being the understudy to Campbell in a lot of ways, being a rotational player with him, taking over early down responsibilities from him, uh, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. There's in other ways that, that players like Matabique might take snaps away from them as well. But um, you know, I think I think that's a, that's a real help. The other thing that that will really help or could really help is if we see some Pearson Jones on the field, where when the other team's in eleven personnel and you still want to try and stop the run, that those two guys are out there and taking away first down snaps from uh, from Campbell. I think there's, there are there are a lot of ways that they can get there. I think what you said is right on the money when it's when it's it's going to depend on who else steps up in terms of their play to find out what holes that Campbell has to fill because by far the team's most versatile player on defense.
3: Yeah and you mentioned earlier you, know, you can play him over the nose if you want to mm-hmm. um, on, on those you know clear passing situations um, you can play him on the edge still you know, he can play five technique and even play you know further out if you, if you really need to and want to play him that way Um, he has that ability to still you know pressure by going through the offensive tackle he's not going to probably go around an offensive tackle but he has the length to kind of to kind of bull rush um, from that position so there's a lot of ways you can use him Um, you know I think the Ravens have mostly probably had him three technique over the past um, couple years that's has been his primarily that's where he's primarily played but um, you know with, with Matt Abike then that's someone who can also fill that exact same role. So um, there, there, are, you know, there are players on this roster that you can look to, and I, I think, you know, it's something that is really, like I said, just going to depend on how well Matavike steps into this, you know, increased role that we're expecting out of him as a, as one of the go-to pass rushers, and and can he take some of those big big numbers away from Campbell? Yeah.
2: All right. Well. Uh... Let's, let's get right to some of the things that people want to hear. How many players on the defensive line do you think the Ravens end up with? Do you think they go with five? Do you think they go with six? Where do you think they end up in terms of the 53-man the roster as they cut it down?
3: Um, my instinct says five. Um, okay. That was where I was looking when I was kind of crunching the numbers. Um, like you said earlier, there is that flexibility depending on, on injuries um, and the short-term IR. It could easily go to six. Um, but... I, that was what I was initially thinking because it would be five,
2: so I think we're in agreement that Michael Pierce, provided there's not something drastically wrong with his the physical shape he's in his his training and whatnot is makes the team that Matabiki makes it that Campbell makes it, and that Travis Jones obviously makes it as a as a rookie third round pick so that the the last spot comes down to Washington or urban if they only keep five who who does your instincts say they'll keep
3: so I was thinking that it's possible that, and this is one of the technicality things. But you might keep Washington, and then have the handshake deal with Urban. He's here Mm -hmm. on a one-year deal. Um, You can bring him back after you put somebody on the IR. So it's a technicality. He wouldn't be on the initial 53, but then maybe you bring him back um, as you as you see fit if you need that sixth guy to start the season. Um, If that situation isn't there or available. it's really just going to depend on which one of them plays better, and it, it's hard to say. I, I've seen a little bit of Urban in the past couple of years, and he, he there is still some you know juice in his game. Um, he probably offers a little bit more upside than Washington, to be frank. But he's also an older player who's had injury history, um, so those things have to be accounted for.
2: Okay, and I'm with you. I think that I would rate the chance as nearly a hundred percent that Urban does not make the initial fifty-three, just because I think they pretty much already have a handshake deal to have a handshake deal. Uh, so I, I expect him to be cut and then return for week one. There is a chance to just be cut and he doesn't make the team, yeah. but but I'd say it's it's a higher probability that he cuts and is and re- return for week one. Um, and I think the Ravens are probably. Loathe to try to make it through the season without six defensive linemen. I know they, you can go out and get players. It's harder at positions like get a five of the appropriate size. You know, those guys just... It's not that big a size and shape pool You know to, that you can find that. Nose tackles, it's easier to go out and get somebody off the street. You know, they did it with Ellis and Pecco and other guys like that over the last few years. Um, and they've got some other guys, you know, backing up with Crawford, you know, sitting sitting down. I think the, the, one of the interesting players is really how they view McKenzie in this whole thing. And, and do they see him as really kind of a linchpin uh, player that they have available to themselves? Or is he maybe more of a practice squad guy who they don't think anybody else is going to take and they can bring up? It's just My feeling is that the Ravens kind of understand the value of this grandfather designation. I sense that it's grandfathered that they have for McKenzie. And it's, it's not as easy for them to let go of that.
3: Yeah, I I see him more as a practice squad player, um, unless there's some developmental step that he takes going into this year, um, and then he kind of forces himself onto the roster. There's always a chance for any of these kind of back end of the the roster players, but um, there's not that many spots available, um, especially for someone playing at a position that has – Um, Well, if if he's a guard, then the Ravens have a lot of guards, so that's that's not where he's really going to fit in there. So it would have to be something that he does at defensive tackle to make him, you know, apparent as a a player that you need to keep around. Um, Either that, or you try and trade him, which is something that you know they might also try and do in in the in the the preseason, depending on you know how he looks.
2: He's not the kind of player you get a huge return on. Unfortunately, he's he's probably either an uh, you get an undrafted. Sorry, you get a conditional seventh or you get a player who's in a similar situation like him uh that might have his last year of his rookie deal still to play that you might get uh uh in return but it, it's it's hard to make those trades work because a conditional seventh the trading team realizes that the the new team is going to do everything to subvert the possibility of giving that seventh round pick away so you're really trading for nothing uh and, and so it becomes a real question of 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 whether you just uh um, you, you, you do it or you try and find a, a way to sneak him onto the roster. Anyway, I, I he, he would not be a terrible player to have on IR to start the season. He's the kind of player, if you had injury problems come up and you wanted to bring back somebody, like your offensive line depth could break down or your defensive line bre- depth could break down. But if your offensive line depth breaks down and, and you're having trouble getting that eighth guy uh, even to, to activate on game day, he's a great guy to have waiting yeah. in the wings Ready to be your eighth guy and also be your backup defensive uh, tackle,
3: yeah, I mean, like we've discussed already that's that's a rare you know kind of ability to have someone who can do both those, those things. So for that reason alone, you might want to keep him on the practice squad. You know it's probably unlikely someone would take him on the practice squad just as unlikely that they would trade for him. so that's right. That, and I'm not sure other practice squad designations still available. You know, the two the two call ups during the course of the season is that a thing that's continuing I on? I think
2: so, but you know, this is something I should have talked to um, uh, Brian about when he was on the show, and I, and I didn't do it. But I believe they're continuing with that program, and and uh, uh, most of the things that they did, they seem to like that the the changes to the IR seem to be very directed at the Ravens. Like if I had to, if I had to say like. People are making up the the rules somewhere saying, we don't want the Ravens doing this again kind of thing. And the Ravens are just very clever with the roster. Yeah. You know, I, Khalil McKenzie, we talk about the versatility to play guard. Not one iota of me ever wants to see Khalil McKenzie playing guard for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't want to see him playing maybe a sixth offensive line in some gadget scheme, but I do not want to see him playing any offensive line. The value is in his designation as a guard and the ability then to play him at defensive tackle. You're, you have to have eight offensive linemen or you can't have 53 men on your roster. So uh, on your game day roster, sorry, you can't have 48 on your game day right. roster, right? 48.
3: The, the extra yeah. player, yeah. yeah.
2: So, so if, if once you do that, then you're essentially getting an extra player that you can designate to play another position with your eighth offensive line spot. And that's the value. It's not the, the value. He will never play guard for the Baltimore Ravens if, if you know, I, I cannot see it happening. But but the value is obviously his ability to. To play defense.
3: Yeah, but can you then have that player taking up a roster spot? That's the question. Is it worth it to have it on the game day active list, even if you're not going to play him? You know, it's kind of taking... It's like a... You only have him there for like the rare chance of him actually being useful because you're taking up a roster spot to have him there. So it's like useful, uh, but it's not at the same time.
2: I mean, I think the the... the... The the situation you're looking at is you don't view the eighth offensive lineman as having much Mm. value on game day. And it doesn't. It doesn't have much value at (laughs) all. It's it's a safety concern. And McKenzie can still do that. I mean, if he needs to go and play guard, he'll do it. Hey, if if we have three injuries on the offensive line. But that value, the, the value of that roster spot just is not very high. It's there because the players wanted it for safety purposes and keeps an extra offensive lineman employed pretty much for, for, for the season. And then the the, the value is in the, the flexibility that if you needed him under an emergency purpose, you have him for, for your defensive line. You probably have him for some goal line packages if you want an extra huge body in there that's nice for that. You know, you, you, you find 20 snaps a year where you really want him in there because of short yardage or whatever. And then you may find 40 more for him that he has to play because your nose tackle goes down in a particular week.
3: Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. There's, there might be a chance for this, this scheme to come to fruition. It'll be, yes. I'll, be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be definitely messaging you about the, the brilliance uh, well, of the Ravens listening to the Film Study Podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll uh, listen through this. We'll, we'll, we'll work through this as it goes on. I'm sure we'll have you on much more, but I think that really uh, ties it up for the defensive line. Actually, a fairly easy position, I think, to handicap in terms of who's making the roster. I think uh, uh, Gabe and I pretty much agree on things. Let's talk about where they can f- talk uh, football with you online, Gabe, and and uh, talk about the situation room. Maybe what you have planned for that show.
3: Yeah, so um, I, I'm on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, you know, the off season starting to heat up, um, so the, there will probably be a little bit more activity. Um, right now, it's more Orioles probably than anything else, but there's still some there's still some Ravens chatter going on. Um, you know, as we head into the training camp, there'll be a lot more thoughts being posted online. We'll probably do a Raven situation room, uh, training camp preview in the next couple of weeks, um, just to kind of give our take on, um, you know, some of these position battles we find interesting, some of the, the big, you know, big ticket items that has gone down in the off season, the Lamar Jackson talk, et cetera. Um, so if you're, interested in, in any of that kind of talk we'll we'll definitely be hitting on those topics um and then yeah just um i guess that's pretty much where you'll find me um my friend uh jordan co Ra- at raven sit room um we will be much more active once we get into the season um weekly breakdowns um looking at the film looking at plays that are impactful looking at some of the coaching decisions and the and the how the plays were set up um a lot of interesting um discussion about you know just the the thought process that goes behind these decisions so that's where we'll be um look, hopefully you know you'll tune in when we, when we have that weekly uh, um podcast coming up and it'll, it'll generally be hitting you on like the monday right after the, the game we try and get that out really fast
2: Okay, well, you you've, you've been talking to Orioles uh, some so far this off season. Are you saying?
3: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the Orioles are fun again. So yeah, it's, oh. <laughs> um, just just a little bit on Twitter. You know, it's it's fun to see them being competitive and making that you know final wild card push. But it's it's uh, wishful thinking probably. But they're at least exciting and they have a lot of um, fun players out there.
2: Yeah, the the fun I'm having with the Orioles is watching MILB every night. I mean, the the, the major league team right yeah. now is a oh my god, they've been fun the last you know week and a half or so. But the the uh, minor the MILB is wonderful to be able to go around and you know see prospect after prospect. Oh, a double off the wall. Oh, Westberg's homered again, and you know Heston Kerstad has two hits and two walks again. And, you know everything's coming up Orioles right now in terms of those those minor league things. The injury to Grayson Rodriguez, the the, the big thing that has sucked this year. But yeah, uh, other than that, I mean. Kirstad's returns really been something. He just got promoted to uh, Aberdeen today, mm-hmm. so he's going to be within driving distance for some, uh, you know, fun to see him play. So we'll uh, we'll be getting out there. But very excited for the Orioles, and you know, I, I'm really part of me is saying I really want to see him bringing up basically the top four guys in the Norfolk batting order.
3: Yeah,
2: uh, and they can all play. By the way, there are spots for all of them to play yep. at the major league level, particularly if they if they trade Trey Mancini. Um, and uh, I think they would provide a severe bump, but definitely be an exciting youth movement in Baltimore.
3: Yeah. And maybe we'll see uh, uh, D.L. Hall come up too. He had one of the most impressive pitching performances yeah. you'll ever see from anybody at any level. Um, so if, if he can play anywhere close to that level in the big leagues, then he'll be an exciting player to watch for years to come as well.
2: Yeah. I, I, I like him a lot. I do think he's going to be a guy who has Randy Johnson problems early in his career, yeah. a guy who just cannot get his pitch count under control just from watching in the minor hmm. leagues, but. You know, I, I like him. It's, uh, it's certainly one of the one of the big live arms. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to, to talk uh, on film study and to have a nice 20, 25-minute discussion about some narrow t- Ravens topic, I'd love to hear from you. DM me. They're always open on Twitter. Gabe, thanks again so much. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show as regularly as you do and with the high-quality discussion you bring to this show uh you and jordan both are tremendous friends of the show and and i'm so thrilled to be working with you directly on filmstudybaltimore.com always a pleasure to have you
3: well it's always my pleasure to come on this podcast um love talking football especially ravens maybe a little bit of orioles we can mix in there as well but um thanks again um and i'm sure i will be on sooner rather than later
2: We'll we'll see you very soon indeed and we'll talk to you next time on film study